from being pregnant the whole year of my degree, giving birth three wow. weeks, writing exams. After three weeks of writing exams, I am giving birth. After three weeks of giving birth, I go and graduate. So when I graduate, I have a three weeks old baby. I have my other two kids. Now I have three kids and I have, I'm 20, I'm 32 and I'm like, oh gosh, the world is against me. Welcome to 20 Minute Leaders. Just sit back, relax and learn from the leaders of today. It's a journey. Each one is different, unique, inspiring. Let's get started. This episode is powered by J Ventures, a community-driven VC fund in Silicon Valley, in partnership with Lomitech, and sponsored by Homeward Ventures, Hippo Insurance, Upwest, Hillel at Stanford, Leap, and Birthright Excel, and in media partnership with CTech. Welcome to 20 Minute Leaders. We are back in Africa with Bartang Mia an award-winning tech founder and a self-taught software developer with robust problem-solving skills and proven experience in building tech startups, incubators, co-working spaces, and creating designing software in a test-driven environment. She's the founder of the first African software engineering school, focusing on women and girls, and worked tirelessly to mobilize governments, corporations, and civil society to invest in women and girls' education. Baratang Mia from South Africa, Cape Town. How are you? Welcome to my show, 20 Minute Leaders. How are you? Thank you very much. I'm fine. And yourself? I'm, I'm great now because we're talking and I'm so uh, honored uh, to have you here. When I think of leadership, Baratang, I think of people that are going against the grain, that are, that are going with their heart and not unstoppable, regardless of what happens. And I think that the story that you embody and your journey with helping empower women across Africa to be engineers and learn how to code. I believe you're a self-taught coder yourself. And yes. I think that's that's a story that has to be told and I'm excited to sit <laughs> back and listen to it. Uh, and so Baratang, you founded the first organization, the first engineering school to empower women and girls to learn how to code in Africa. And that was 18 years ago. Today, a lot of people talk about this, but 18 years ago, not many people did. Please tell me, about the story. Walk me through your journey and, and I'm going to sit back and I'm, I just want to listen as a thirsty young entrepreneur. So um, I'm not sure if for the sake of your readers, I'll say most people might know about the apartheid situation in South Africa. So I had um, gone through a schooling system in a township, township meaning previously the underserved communities. So, and um, when I finished high school, I did, my parents were very poor, so no, nobody could give me even a two cent to go to university. But fortunately, it was during the time of transition where South Africa was needing lots of black uh, graduates and they were funding lots of universities. So university funding was very easy and I went to University of Cape Town. And when I went there, because I stayed seven years, in the seven years that I stayed not um, going to school. So I finished matric and stayed seven years before I start, I went to university. In the seven years I had raised the fund, I would call it funding seat because you had to register in, in the university before you get funding. So I had ra- raised enough money to do that. And I had started in that seven years, I started a business where I did interior designing and I had I had very good solid foundation of entrepreneurship because of the seven years. So when I got to university, I was a mother already. I had two kids because in the seven years wow. I was too busy. I started business. I'm a mother of two kids. And coming from a township that was so poor, 
And having lived in so much poverty, I had lacked lots of skills because the teachers themselves were not good. So I received the worst education ever. And so my language skills, writing and communication ability were very low. And at the same time, I had a challenge with mathematics. Um, so, and I had registered for industrial psychology. I don't know what made me go to the commerce faculty <laughs> for industrial psychology because I qualified. So I went and I registered there. I had, I went to learn the hard way that that was a very wrong choice. Um, but I moved from the commerce faculty to Bachelor of Social Science and still maintained my courses. So what they did in the faculty, because first semester, so a semester is like six months of the courses. Yeah. It failed every, I passed one course. The, the rest, the other three courses I failed. And that was economics, math, mathematics, and finance. So I, I went to the faculty and I said, no guys, I didn't come here to fail. And the faculty advisor, curriculum advisor talked to me. And after she talked to me, she said to me, you know, I'm going to put some programs for you, but you have to drop all the maths courses because they're giving you a hard time. But what she did for me that would change my life was she said, I'm going to send you to the, um, to the maths department. You must do extra maths at the maths departments because they were offering mathematics for people who are studying courses that have, math that have mathematics, but they didn't do mathematics. So I attended in the mathematics, but I attended extra maths classes. But it was just to think logically, to th to have that ability to think like a, to think about mathematical concepts that you wouldn't think they appear in finance, whilst they are there. Like one is a constant. For someone who didn't do maths properly in high school, I thought I didn't realize that that I would get the sum okay, but I would struggle without knowing what's making me struggle. So she said, okay, there's, there's lots of things that's missing. So I'll fill in the gaps. And she did two things that I will value for the rest of my life. So besides sending me to the maths faculty, she said, go to the writing center. They had, the university had a place called the writing center. Go to the writing center. What they're going to do at the writing center um, it's just to, ch to check your essays before you submit them to check if you are writing properly and you are, your thoughts are being communicated well on paper. Because I was all, I had, I was also complaining, but you know, even if I wrote the right answer, they don't give me the mark I deserve. <laughs> and she said to me, do that. So I went to, and now on, on top of being a mother, on top of being a student, on top of, working part-time sometimes there and there i now have two extra things to do which is going to the writing center going to english classes and the university is forcing us to attend computer classes because for me it was the first time i touched the computer when i got to the university and having been the first time i touched the computer we all obligated to to go to the extra computer classes and you know it's a black affair i always call it a black affair it was only black students who were attending extra computer classes at the in that computer lab so that was the wow. beginning of my story. Now, Amazing. I always tell people, if you could take a person who went to a township school, who received an education that was called Bantu education, designed specifically to make sure that Black people don't become successful and they don't go anywhere besides becoming a teacher, I, I, and you turn them into the person I would become, 
when I left the university, because now I had, when I left the university, I passed my, fin- my finances with seconds. I had first in some of my course in strategy in marketing and consumer behavior. And that was purely because they, the teaching that I got from the communication, for, from the writing center and that extra math classes that I got were so good. So obviously when I finished university, I, I went through a lot. So I, I was exhausted, like literally exhausted. And so I, I finished my undergrad, graduated and did my postgraduate diploma. When I was busy with my postgraduate diploma, uh, funny enough, I fell pregnant again and now I have another baby. And I was like, no, post, post natal, whatever stress was too much. So I didn't go and apply for jobs like other people. Let me start this way. I tried. I tried applying for jobs, but it was, it was not in my space because I was going through mm-hmm. that postnatal depression. So I would go to an interview and I have all these things that are going on because I had just given birth to a baby three weeks before I graduate. So wow. I was like, this is too much for me. I, I'm not going to do this. And, and then I thought, you know what, let me do something to keep myself busy whilst I'm waiting to start, start, to start working next year. Because I, I now have a, a postgraduate degree in marketing. I've studied, no, I'm walking around with two degrees and one of the elite universities in Africa. But it's something inside me with this post-traumatic stress disorder from giving, from being pregnant the whole year of my degree, giving birth three wow. weeks, writing exams. After three weeks of writing exams, I am giving birth. After three weeks of giving birth, I go and graduate. So when I graduate, I have a three weeks old baby. I have my other two kids. Now I have three kids and I have, I'm 20, I'm 32. And I'm like, oh gosh, the world is against me. And as the universe had its own plan, I always said that was a concoction for what I would become. (laughs) And I didn't. Because in that year that I said, you know what, I'm taking a break. I'm, I'm exhausted. I'm not going to be looking for jobs because I had tried the first two months to look for jobs, even the last part of my graduation. So I had gone further with my, some of my application to even companies like Unilever. I was at the further stage to go and work in the marketing departments, but my brain was, was not into it. So I, I didn't want to sit at home and do nothing. So I would go to the internet shop. Um, learn few things. And as I was busy doing that, I realized, you know what? I had survived the university with a, with my first year, it was like, like through a thin, thin rope. I was hanging to being excluded or surviving. And if I didn't do anything, the, the first semester to say, can this be fixed? I would have been kicked out of university because this, the, skills that I got from those extra classes is the reason I'm sitting here with two degrees. And that was not offered in, in schools. And the other thing that was that also made me survive was I realized that being a woman and having gone through everything that I went through made my life more double harder being at university because I had to do to juggle all these things. And many people would ask, why didn't you raise your own, why didn't you let other people help you raise like the village and what? I came from poverty. I was like, my kids are not going to grow from and in the environment I grew in. So I, I had to bring them with me to Cape Town. Wow. So in a, to cut a long story short, in that space of 
one, two months, I made a decision, like a spotless decision to say, I'm going to teach young girls maths, science skills, you know, take all that that they were giving me at university, like communication, maths, um, in basics of English. And I'm going to make it a small curriculum, go to schools and teach girls when they're still in grade 10, 11, so that by the time they get to university, these little barriers are removed. And they don't have to face the challenges that I faced. And, you know, because I had looked around, I was involved in student governance. I was in the SRC. I knew a lot about gender-based movement. I ran, I was one of the few people that started the women empowerment on campus. So I knew enough about what's happening in the industry. So I thought to myself, look, the marketer inside me said, do something that's unique. And when I decided to do something unique, I decided, you know what? I'll focus on girls, but I'll focus on technology mainly, encompass it with the skills that I received that would make me unique and focus mainly on technology and teach girls computers. Wow. Unbelievable. I, I need to take some time to, uh, to, to absorb the story. Now, while I do that, when you decide that that's your mission and you have this conviction through personal experiences that this is what needs to happen to change the cycle, because what you're talking about here is breaking the cycle, right? Yeah. I mean, it starts from, it, it's the cycle, the breaking the cycle started from when you decided to take your kids with you to Cape Town, said they're, they're not going to be in the same cycle that I was in. And you then tra- extrapolated that to saying, actually, there is a continent-wide problem here that I'm going to be helping resolve. And, and so tell me a little bit about the vision for teaching girls how to code and computers and, and, and how you grew that organization. So, um, you know, having started Girl Hype uh, in... 18 years ago, the first, there was 2002 when I was still finalizing my degree, when I made a decision, but I wasn't sure about it. But 2003, I was dead sure that this is what I'm going to do. So what I, the fortunate part about when I started was I was the first one to speak like that, especially in my environment. So the, wow. the the faculty, the environment was full of old white males. So when I walked into the space and there's these professors, 80% of them were carrying PhD, were PhD holders and what, and they seeing this young woman. Firstly, I looked young for my age. So they, I was very petite and skinny and young. So the assumption is I just finished my degree and I'm starting the business and, and, seeing this young black woman walking into the space, they were welcoming to say, wow, you're talking the right thing. We need more women. We, you know, we, we don't know why women drop out of the courses and they start giving me more information and they were very accepting to me. So I always say I had a four year leeway or four to five years, um, launch pad where I had everybody mentoring me, willing to work with me. And starting the organization was very easy because I was mobilizing the government. So most of the funding came from the government. The resources came from um, public-owned institutions like the universities. I partnered with all the universities to say in South Africa and mainly Western Cape because there's many universities around here to say, you know what, Um, you guys have resources at the time, the inter- good internet and good computers were found in universities. So in schools, I was doing the after-school program. It was like an extra curricular activity. 
And after school, uh, during school holidays, which you guys will call it the summer or something, I would get the school, school kids to come to camp at universities. And to be fair and honest, I didn't have to explain much. I just had to say, hey, I'm this person. I'm doing this. This is what I'm doing. And I was welcomed. And the IT business was still at the formation stages. So the companies that were there, they were either doing training or they were doing networking. And they were welcoming me because I was not a threat to them. The challenge came five years later. So five years later now, companies like Facebook are, are beginning to be stronger. Google is beginning to be strong on the internet. People are beginning to understand what they mean, what Skype means, what this, the power of building apps is beginning to be very stable and strong. That's when the, the challenge came. Um, that a powerful woman who was endorsed by the industry beside started being challenged because what I was doing now, everybody wanted to do it. And, you know, it wasn't as I thought it would be because I was on a grace period. Funding was easy. Mentorship was easy. You know, and I say mentorship, nobody said, I'll mentor you. I had all these white male around me. They literally gave me a chair. When I say, you know, people always ask, how did you get the chair on the table? Nobody I didn't ask for the chair. I walked in the space and I was given a chair and everybody said, here's a chair. You're going to sit with us and we're going to give you the guidance. The case of that was because I was mentored by white males, I adopted lots of their characteristics and their behavior and their way of doing things and their biases around how what defines a strong, independent woman without realizing it? And, and to, to erase that for me of power comes in a form of white identity and the things. It, it's something that would take me years to work around because I, I, I also, even though I was working with women, bringing more women into the space, I was pushing this agenda of this is what you need to be like. You need to be strong. You need to be independent without realizing. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> you, you adopted something that, that it was not meant for. That's why. So wow. I, and for me, that's why I can speak about our unconscious biases and speak about it from experience because that's what I did. That's the welcoming that I got and being given a chair. I mean, I had never speaking at, spoken at a conference and there was a global conference happening in Cape Town. And when they were looking for a speaker, amongst themselves, they decided Paratang is going to be a speaker and she's going to speak about how do we bring technology into communities. I knew nothing. And then they said, no, 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 you just speak about what you do. This is the guidance. You know, I'm speaking amongst professors and I'm speaking to all these international people and they gave me guidance. You know, now you, you're observing these little identities presentations of people of how they present wow. themselves to the world and because they were giving me resources I had inter I had all these policy thinking that I was listening to from their viewpoint my brain in its own way idolized or adopted that mentality fortunately I had I was black conscious in, a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in my own right Mm -hmm. So for tech, I found a model that worked and pushed me into the agenda. I was the one of the first 
people that wrote the content for the city of Cape Town's websites, managed teams and built everybody. It, it was modeled from white male perspective. Mm-hmm. And when I wanted to present myself, when I, now I've learned, when I say, now five years later, I've learned, I'm strong now, I'm independent. Um, I realized that's not what they like <laughs> also. You see, they, they trained me, they modeled me. Now, when I started challenging them, and then it becomes, hang on, we don't do that. And that would teach me a different thing in life that I would value for the rest of my life. Wow. Um, Baratang, I think that I need to already ask you to schedule for another episode because I think that we're only halfway through the story, even just That's started great. through the story. <laughs> uh, but I think that, you know, with all the challenges and and obviously, you know, uh, having not come from Africa and not, not knowing what, what the apartheid was and is like and and not and and you know it's a, it's a it takes a, a lot of perspective to be able to empathize and really understand and i don't think that you know anybody listening to this can truly understand what you went through but having but listening to your journey of optimism and of obstinance in the positive way of of no matter what i'm being unstoppable and and doing what you did until now and and the people that you've impacted uh, and and i think that's just admirable and, uh, and that's something that all of us should take with us. And I really, really appreciate you coming on and, and sharing your story. And, and I want you to come on again and, and, sh- and share much, much, much more that we didn't get to yet. Uh, <laughs> and and throughout, the, throughout it, I already feel like you've, you've answered a lot of the, you know, the, the final questions that I always ask the, the, by, by childhood and about what inspires you today. And, and what I really want to ask you now is what are three words that you would use to describe yourself? Uh, I'm very humbled. I am determined oh, yeah. and um, I'm a visionary. Um, 100%. I think I always say I'm, I, I can be very taking it to the spiritual element side of things. Sometimes I would say God gave me a vision and a purpose. And through that vision and that purpose, nothing, not, nothing that was happening around me distracted me because I had a vision. Wow. Nothing. So whatever they they were doing, because, you know, people trained me, modeled me and made me this powerful force. By default, when I started standing up for, no, this is not what I signed up for. Um, and they wanted to, you know, push me down and, and do everything they wanted. I was too strong because the vision was beyond me. It, it was not my vision. It was my purpose. Wow. Baratang, thank you so, so much. Have a great uh, rest of the day. And, and I really look forward to hosting you again and for sharing the story. This was just wonderful and inspiring. Uh, stay safe and stay healthy.